and I have the privilege and the really unique uh, responsibility of introducing someone that needs no introduction. So I'd like to introduce Pastor John Werhost. Come on up. For those of you that don't know, there's nobody here that doesn't know, right? Pastor John, Pastor John was the founding pastor of the Rock Community Church, and we're thrilled to have you back here to, to hear what God has to say from you this morning. So uh, let's open up the Word together. Amen? Please. Uh, you know, I couldn't, <clears throat> thanks, Drew, couldn't be introduced by someone better than you. Did you want to pray? Is that what you meant? No. We're oh, go. It's all you. I'm on my own. Good morning. Um, it's, it's going to be hard to put into words what this moment means to me. Um, you people have impacted my life. You helped change me as a man. Some of you I don't know. I'm so thankful you're here. It's a wonderful church surrounded by wonderful people. Um, my wife and I, for those of you that don't know, left four years ago, and we now live in Oregon. Um, that's a hard, it's hard because my son who's here and my daughter, in law, but really not, she's uh, changed our life in a lot of ways. Amazing young lady. Her name's KC. If you ever get a chance to meet her, you'll be blessed. And then her dad, mama here, and her family. And my wife is sick. She's in the hotel right now, and she just said to me this morning, I didn't want to hear her. She said, I wish I didn't come. I, I said, no, you'll be, I thought she was going to be here this morning, but she's just not feeling well. And she said, I'm going to miss seeing the people. And if I am there, I'm going to have to fake it. And then she said, I don't even know if I'll be able to go to lunch with our family. And so she's not. My son just told me that she called. And so she's not well. So if you pray, her name's Kay. Pray that she uh, gets well. Anyways, um, our coming here has been extremely important to me. I wanted to, you know, I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm in my 80s now, 82. And um, well, I'll be 82 in a few weeks. Um, and I don't know how many more times I'll have a chance to tell you I love you. Thanks. Um, and I wanted to do that before anything happened. I'll probably end up leaving long, which really bugs me. I, <laughs> I really do want to go be with the Lord because my knee hurts. You know, you know. No, you don't. <laughs> But, when, you know, when you hear old people complain, please don't be unkind to them. They're, they're really hurting, you know. <laughs> I, I did a funeral. The first, one of the first funerals I did was for uh, Mrs. Roach uh, back at Yorblinda. And um, I knew her really well. She was a pillar in our church, just a wonderful woman. And she asked if I would 
do her funeral when she died, and she died, and I did it. I, I said, can I have her Bible? She always carried this beautiful old, old Bible to church, you know. And uh, I, I wanted to know a little bit more about what she wrote in the margins. And in one place it wrote, she wrote down, getting old is not for wimps. <laughs> I've adopted that saying. I'm, uh, I understand now. That was maybe 30, maybe more years ago. But anyways, um, I want to be here. I want to have the opportunity to tell you I love you. And I did it to the other two services. And so I'm on a clean slate right now. It's, uh, so what we need to do is study the Word of God. We need to open up our Bibles we need to see what the Lord says to us. I'm, I'm going to ask you to turn to a place that's very common to you. I'm not going to, there's nothing new. There's, there's absolutely nothing new in, in Scripture as it is. I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. I'm going to ask you to turn to the very first chapter. Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to read to you a story that you already know. And what I'm hoping to do, the Lord to do, not me. But I want to, what I'd love for the Lord to do is to, to reveal something that maybe you hadn't considered before about this wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And it's this famous Christmas story. You know it well. But I'm going to read it to you again. I'm going to read it to you, um, hopefully afresh. And I want to explain something to it that you probably read before, but for whatever reason, you just, it just passed you by. So let's talk about it. Let's, let's read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, verse 19, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. I stopped in the first service. I don't normally, and I'm stopping again now. It's very evident what is taking place here. He has not had an affair. He has, had not, he has not slept with her as of yet. And now she is with child, and he's saying, okay. Who, when, where, why? All of those things that any of us would ask. So look what takes place. It's very evident what's taking place here. When he had considered this, this being to put her away secretly. Verse 20. When he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, verse 21, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. That is such an amazing statement. He is the one who is going to save his people from their sins. Now all this, verse 22, took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, one of the great verses in all of Scripture, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God with us. He has already been told that he should be, in verse 21, I'm 
I'm backtracking. Please forgive me. That you shall call his name Jesus. But we know now from scripture that he is Emmanuel. Meaning that God now has come to earth. Joseph, verse 24. Arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And took her as his wife. And kept her a virgin. And I have double overlined in my Bible. Circled until. I like that word. Joseph was a normal man. He kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name, just as he was told, Jesus. You think about that. That event in time has changed all of history. That event has turned some of us into blabbering idiots. Perhaps you've been invited by a family member or a friend to come to church with you Christmas season. Good time to get them here. And they've been trying to share with you the wonders of what happened in their lives. I ask you, do not begrudge them that. They love you with all their hearts. They might not be able to tell you the proper way. They might not make it right by explaining to you why they want you here in church. Why they want you to hear about Jesus Christ. But they love you. I will never forget as long as I live. I became a Christian on March the 12th, 1973. I was 35 years old. I'm 82 now. I'll be 82 in February. I'm almost 82. I, I just give one number. but I don't try to remember days or anything like that. It's too busy for an old man. You just pick a day and do it. So I became a Christian then. My life changed. I was living in Honolulu, Hawaii. I wanted to go home and be with my parents. I went home to be with my mom and dad in San Pedro, California. Here, you know, probably of San Pedro. If you don't, you should. It's a wonderful community. I got to my parents, and we all sat down at the dinner table like we always did in the kitchen. And I started sharing my faith with my mom and my dad. I wanted them. We were not a religious family. But we, my dad had more morals than any Christian I've ever met. My father taught me that a handshake was plenty. You look a person in the eyes and you tell them yes, and you mean yes. And you tell them no, and you mean no. That was my father. He was as moral as any man I've ever known. And when I was sharing with him my newfound faith, my dad took it to that I was saying to him that he raised me incorrectly. That he didn't think that I thought that he was a good man. I was trying to tell him about being religious, being a Christian. And then he got doubly angry because he thought I was saying up to his, his wife, my mom, that she didn't do a good job. And if you knew my mom, you'd know this, one thing about her. Mother Teresa would have my mom's picture on her mantle. <laughs> my mom, my mom was a saint. And I had to explain to dad, no dad, I, I, think, I think I'm the luckiest man in the world to have you as my father. I'm not trying to say you didn't do a good job raising me. I'm just saying, I want to live with you eternally. I want to know you forever in heaven. It wasn't much longer after that 
I took my father to it. You don't need to know all this, but my mom and dad came to believe in Christ, which is a great joy in my life. So, to get back to where I'm at, if we don't tell you properly how much we love you and we make you sound like we think we're better than you, we're not. We're sinners saved by grace. We just love you. And perhaps we don't say it to you the way we should. Don't begrudge us. We just want to tell you about the one that has saved us eternally. The one who was born in a manger. The one who was called Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Who, as it says, if you remember back, we read just a little while ago. I think it was in verse 21. You should call his name Jesus, for it is he who is going to save his people from their sins. That's what he does. Now, boy, when this nose runs, it's not pretty. I'm, I'm so sorry. Let's get to the message, but first let's pray. Father, we ask that you would uh, make the words to those who are maybe seeking and searching after someone who might change their lives like you've changed ours. Father, would you... Make our, our words palatable. Make them understandable. It's, make them not see us as someone weird, but someone who loves them. For those of us here in this, uh, this room right now, would you let, allow us not to feel like we're so far lost that we can't come back to you, that we've gotten so far away that we don't have the grace that you give us to live our lives so that we might love you more each day. Father, I ask that you would do as it says in the book of Psalms, that you would open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. And that you would move me aside. I beg of you, Father, please do not let me interfere with what you want to do to each of us individually, not as a family, not as a country, not as a group, but as one single person who is hearing your voice through me now. Would you move me aside so I don't interfere with your moving it in their lives, I pray. I pray all of these things, and I thank you for the privilege of being here, Father. I do pray for my wife, and I pray that you'll bless us all, Father, in Jesus' most precious, precious name. Amen. You know, there's a lot of reasons to celebrate Christmas. There's myriads of reasons, and I want to share with you what I believe is really important one. The baby in the major who the angel told Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby that is inside of her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now that in and of itself, figure that one out. I mean, someone told you that. If she goes... Don't worry about me, darling. I'm impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to buy that one. And yet, the angel told Joseph, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That baby inside of her was conceived by the very Spirit of God. And I want you to call him Jesus. He's going to be a son. I want you to call him Jesus. And I want you also to remember what it says in the Old Testament that Emmanuel is going to be here on earth. God is going to be with you. Think of the 
Think of all the responsibility that's going through Joseph's mind as he understands that moment. The most important event that we celebrate Wednesday, Christmas, is that so that God could be understood by us, so that we could see him in human flesh, at least look back upon him and know him and and, and get an understanding of how we are supposed to live our lives according to the will of God. And you might be sitting there, even as a believer, you might be saying to yourself, but you don't know me. I have lost my opportunities. You might be thinking that. And I want to say to you that, that there's nothing further from the truth than what you just might have thought. Our Lord God is a God of forgiveness. The Bible says to you, not me, you're unique. Paul was called a a chosen instrument of God. And then Paul explains that we too, all of us that have come to trust in Christ, are chosen instruments of his to be used for his glory. And if you think that's not possible, then then you don't know Mickey. To see a, a man who I've watched over the years, we've known each other for a long time. And Mickey and Sherry are two of the dearest people I know. And now to watch and to see him serve the Lord as he does. He's as much a miracle as I am and as you are. We are all miracles walking around. Chosen instruments of God, if you could imagine. And so God said as he gave birth to his son. I want you to remember this. This is crucial. You have been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to not only say yes to Jesus Christ again and again and again, but to follow him once more faithfully within your heart of hearts when you felt like you've fallen away. Or, more importantly even, for those of you who have never trusted in Christ, you don't know of a time or a moment that you've ever given your heart to Jesus Christ, he is going to give you that opportunity Again and again and again. And I pray with all of my heart that you do not wait for another opportunity if you hear his voice right now. That you come to trust in him. Make this Christmas season a real season of joy. You see, when Jesus grew up, he constantly asked people to do one thing. He said, follow me. Remember? He always said everybody, follow me. And some people did. And some, of course, did not. There are choices that you and I have to make in our lives, whether we'll follow him or not. And some of the people that chose to follow him messed up, and they messed up royally. You think not? Heard of Abraham? He is one who is called the father of the Jewish nation. In Genesis chapter 12, they were told to follow him, lead your people. He was called a man of God. He was called a man of faith, but not once, not, but twice, at least twice that we know of. He pawned off his wife as his sister. Why? Because he was a good-for-nothing coward, that's why. 
He wanted to save his own neck. He, he, he didn't care, obviously, what happened to his wife, what the, that nation that they went into, wherever they went to, who had made it, maybe treated his wife terribly. He traded in his integrity. He traded in his security. Yet God called him to build a nation. Let me ask you, would you as a church, would you as a person choose a man like this? Maybe not, but God did. And he used him mightily. Mightily. How about Moses? Moses is the one who, is, who God entrusted the Ten Commandments to. I do it like this, like as I was telling David in the first service. It's like, you know, the only thing you ever see is a movie, you know, where he's holding these ten, these tablets, you know. And I told him, I remember a movie I saw, and he reminded me of it. It was uh, uh, Mel Brooks, had, and he had, uh, he had three tablets. And he says, I come to you with, uh, and he said 30, or I don't know what he said, but he, he gave a number, and he dropped one of the tablets, and he goes, Ten Commandments, you know. That's all I know about it. But God entrusted, he entrusted him with the Ten Commandments. And he was called one of history's greatest figures. Yet when he was younger, he was a murderer. He was a fugitive. Yet God called him to lead a nation of people. I ask you, would, would you or I attempt to lead a nation of people with a man like that? Of course not. But God does. And he did it mightily. How about one of my heroes, King David? He was a scoundrel. I'm so, he was a scoundrel. And I like King David so much because King David messed up, messed up, messed up, and yet God called King David. Do you know what God called King David? A man after my own what? Yes. And you know what that man after God's own heart did? He was supposed to be with his, with his people fighting in a battle, he was back in his own castle and he saw someone, uh, he saw someone on a, and he, she was uh, across the way and he's, who's that? Bathsheba, bring her over. Got his men to bring her over. She was married to a man up front who was fighting for the country called Uriah and he had an affair with her and she with him. And lo and behold, she became pregnant. And he was going to say, how am I going to get out of this? So he calls Uriah back to his home field. When he comes back, he tries to say, have a couple of drinks. Let's, let's celebrate. He said, I cannot celebrate with my men fighting on the front lines, sir. He said, well, go home and be with your wife and relax, and then you can go back here. I cannot go be with my wife when my men are not with their wives. So Joseph, excuse me, David said, take him, Uriah, put him in the front where he will get killed to cover his sin. Would you use a man like that as a leader? Probably not. But God did. See, what I'm trying to share with you is that God is a God of forgiveness. He is a God who understands that we are frail as human beings and that we will mess up. What he wants you to understand is in the middle of a being a messed up individual like I am and like, don't look so smug, like you are too. <laughs> I'm teasing. That we are usable by God. And God is more than willing to forgive us if we come to him and ask for our 
forgiveness. There's a missionary named Jonah. Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh. No, Jonah didn't like the people in Nineveh. He didn't want the people in Nineveh to know about God. And, but God did. And so, so Jonah jumps on a ship to get away from God to go toward Tarsus. He, would, he was going the very opposite direction than Nineveh. You know, what, you know what happened to Jonah, don't you? They threw him overboard. You, know, you remember that, don't you? And this story that most people who don't trust in God cannot fathom, and neither can I, a, a great fish swallowed him. The fish didn't like Jonah either. <laughs> the fish spit him out, and you know where he spit him out? Nineveh. <laughs> and the Bible says, I wrote it down. I wrote it down so you, you might know. The Bible said that Jonah, it says in the book of Jonah, became angry, angry at God, and greatly displeased that God put him in Nineveh. And the Bible tells us that many people, if not all, I'm not sure, got saved in Nineveh. Would we as a church send a man or a woman like that into the mission field? Uh, Most likely not. But God did. And God used him mightily. Is there more? Yeah. Too many. Excuse me. Too many. I was just thinking. Just the amazing fact that God would use me blows me away. There's Elijah. Elijah questioned the power of God. Gomer, a woman, she was a prostitute. Sarah, when God told her the will of God, she laughed at him. What about the family line of Jesus? Tamar, she was an adulteress. Rahab, she was a harlot. Bathsheba, we already talked about her. How about the disciples? Thomas, you know what Thomas is known to as this day? What? You know what? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Just because he, he didn't believe that, that Jesus truly rose from the dead. Could you blame Thomas for that one? And yet God touched Thomas' heart and used him mightily. Paul. Paul lived most of his life as a young man hating, hating people that loved God and had them killed. And yet I already told you, God called Paul a chosen instrument of his. God used him mightily. Let me tell you about the one that I want to center on today. And that's Peter. Most of you know the story about Peter. I want you to turn with me. You're in Matthew. Turn to the next book to the right, Mark. The reason I tell you, I'm I'm sure you know where Mark is, but some of you might not. And the first church I ever went to where I I carried a Bible in church was in Eugene, Oregon, under Dr. Jack MacArthur, Johnny MacArthur's father, at a church in downtown Eugene. One of the most dynamic men of God I've ever known. Dr. Jack, he's gone to be with the Lord. When he preached, he was like a machine. Boom, 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 boy, he could preach. 
and he'd say, turn to, turn to, and I was the first time I ever had a Bible in my hands in my life, and he'd say, turn to the book of Matthew, and I'm, I'm looking, where's everybody looking, you know, just trying to find where, and I, you know, I always thought, why didn't God, you know, really, why didn't he alphabetize this? Wouldn't it have been a lot easier? I mean, seriously. <laughs> So I finally find Matthew, and he's already now somewhere in, in, in Exodus. And by the time I get to Exodus, he's in Leviticus. And go ahead, find Leviticus. I mean, where's Leviticus? So I try to explain so that you don't miss, because God forbid you would hear me, and you would not hear what God wants to say to you. I want to take no, no blame for this, nor do I want to take any praise. Oh, we want God to get the glory here at this church. Well, Peter was known as one of the most faithful followers of Jesus Christ, yet you might also realize that Peter was also one who was in desperate need of another opportunity. He blew his chance. Read with me, please, in, in uh, Mark, and I want you to look at Chapter 14, let me find my note, I got it. Look at verse 26. I don't normally like to start in the middle of a, a, a chapter. I try to explain what's going on, but you'll, get, you'll know what's happening as soon as we start to read. In chapter um, 14 of Mark, verse 26, it says, After they sang some hymns, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They, meaning Jesus and the disciples. It said, Jesus said to them in verse 27, You will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. You want to try to remember that little bit of us, what we just read. You will all be scattered after I have been stricken down. But you'll meet me in Galilee. Now comes Peter. Verse 29. I have it so, I've got it underlined in yellow and red in my Bible. Peter said to the Lord Jesus, even though all may fall away, yet I will not. You don't need to count on these guys, they're a bunch of little lives. I don't know how you even got them to follow you, but I'm in. Don't worry about me. Even if I have to die with you, I am all in. Jesus said in verse 30, Truly I, I say to you that you yourself this very night before a cock crows twice shall deny me three times. But Peter was insistent as you and I see in verse 31. He kept saying insistently, even though I have to die with you, I will not deny you. I will not deny you. They were all saying the same thing. You know, I mean, you know, if the Lord says something and this guy says something, me too, me too, you know. I want to be in on that group. Move ahead one page. Look at verse 66 with me for a moment. Same chapter. Mark chapter 14, verse 66. Now our Lord's um, on trial. They're going to lead him away to be on trial. And 
eventually they're going to crucify him. In verse 66, Peter was below in the courtyard. While all this was going on, that was my words, all of this going on. One of the servant girls of the Most High Priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You too were with Jesus the Nazarene. Verse 68, but he denied that, saying, I neither know nor do I understand what you're talking about. He went out to the porch. He wanted to get away from that little incident. Out there on the porch in verse 69, we see that a maid saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders, this is one of them. In other words, this is one of the guys that's traveling with Jesus. Verse 70, again, Peter denied it. And after a little while, another bystander again said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. Verse 71 caps it. Peter began to curse and to swear, saying, I do not know this man whom you are talking about. And immediately, verse 72, we are told the cock crowed. And Peter remembered how Jesus made the remark, before a cock crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And he began to, what? Sorrowful. I'm sure he felt so low that he thought that he would never be able to bounce back from that. He'd never be able to do again what he promised the Lord he'd do, live and die for you. I'm with you to the very end. You can count on me. And here he is, wimping out. Why do I mention this beautiful story? Excuse me, this story on this beautiful time of the year, Christmas. Well, it's what took place afterwards. You're in Mark. You're in the 16th chapter. I want to ask you to do something in a moment. Um... Mark chapter 16. No, we were in 14, weren't we? Okay. Mark chapter 16. After this event took place and our Lord was crucified, they buried him. Mark is um, explaining the story of what took place afterwards. I can only imagine what Peter must feel like. And so as you read with me, please, in Mark chapter 16, verse 1, the Sabbath was over. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought in spices that they might come and anoint him. What they were going to do was they were going to go to the graveside, go be with Jesus, and anoint him with oils. He's dead. So they're going to the graveside. They're going to where he was buried. Verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said in verse 6, look, 
he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who had been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, he is in the place where they he is not here in the place where they had laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he said to you. Did you see it? Did you see verse 7? Go tell the disciples and what? Why did he exclude Peter from just the whole group? Why did he point out Peter? I can only imagine Peter must have been dead on the ground just saying, I cannot be used by God. I've denied him. I promised him I'd be there and I, I, I blew it. And Jesus said through that very angel, go tell the disciples and tell Peter too. It's all right. Go meet me in Galilee. Everything is going to be okay. He has given Peter another chance. The same thing he wants to give to you and to me. More chances. Opportunities to love him. When we feel like we've lost all of our opportunities. And so the Lord is saying from heaven above, love the people in this church and tell them and any who do not know me or feel like they've betrayed me, tell them to come meet me. Be with me. Follow me. You've not lost your opportunity. You might think you have. You haven't. Our Lord loves you with all of his heart. He lived He died and he rose again from the dead to give you another chance, another opportunity to love him more. Never forget, they shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Sinners like you and me. The gift, of forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness given by this baby that we celebrate Christmas morning is for every one of us. It's the greatest gift that we really can get. As a little boy, I tell you about my father. Few men like him. Not a believer. I was... Just, uh, I don't even know if I was 10 yet, 11. I don't know what I was. Dad and I, our family, we'd all bowl. We did that. We were Croatians. We lived in Detroit, that area. That's what we did. We bowled. My dad said, son, I'm going to go get a new bowling ball. You want to go with me? I said, oh, yeah. I couldn't wait. So I went, watched the man fit my dad's hand for a bowling ball. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen it. They, they actually fit your hand to perfect for the, the holes they put in the ball and and, and I was watching. My dad said, which bag do you think I should buy for myself, son? I said, I said that one, Dad. That's a pretty one. Okay, give me that bag. After we're all done, the, the, the guy that fit my dad's hand with the bowling ball and, and the shoes and all of that stuff said, you, you looked interested. I said, oh, it was fun. He said, let me look at your hand. It looked like you got a big hand. <clears throat> On Christmas morning when I woke up, 
You know who's underneath the tree? My bowling ball. The bag that I chose. The shoes. Dad said, when we go bowling today, I want you to have the proper etiquette. So he was teaching me about bowling, and we had a long hallway in our house. And he would have me roll the ball down. He said, that's it, that's it, that's the way to roll it. My mom would say, John, calling my dad, he's going to hit the wall. Dad would say, Ann, don't worry. He's, he's an athlete. He's got it. And we went bowling. It's a Christmas I will remember forever. It's a time for family. It's a time for loving one another. It's a time for forgiveness. It's a time for rejoicing. It's a time for you to make your life right with God. To cherish that little baby that was born in a manger. Don't let all the busyness of this season get you to miss the very true meaning of why we celebrate this time. We are celebrating Emmanuel, God who is with us. We are celebrating Jesus, the one who takes away the sin of this world. Your sin, mine. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for letting me be back. Drew, thank you. Staff, David, love you more than life itself. Thank you for having me back. God bless each of you. Have a very, my wife and I, Kay and I, wish you a very merry Christmas. Father, we want to thank you for this day. It's most precious of days. It's a day of days. It's a day that we get to rely upon the blessings that fall from above. And we we celebrate Christmas. And sometimes we celebrate it without really realizing what we're doing. We get so busy. We get so frustrated. Am I getting the right gift? Am I giving the right gift on all of that stuff? And we forget the very gift that we have of a Savior who wants to give us another opportunity to love him again and again and again and again. Father, thank you for who you are. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. God bless you.